CheersCast is a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Oh my God, I'm I'm stunned. I mean, it's it's not like I never expected to hear this from you. It's just that <laughs> one is, is never quite prepared for the question. Oh Sam, I'm touched. I <laughs> oh, all at once I I'm I'm feeling giddiness. Fear, euphoria, relief. I don't know what to say. No, it's okay. I'm not listening anymore. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and with this episode, we kick off the very funny and very important fifth season of Cheers. Joining me for this milestone occasion is one half of the Longbox Crusade crew, the hosts of such fine podcasts as Action Film Face-Off, Saturday Matinee Theater, Crusader Chronicles, and probably some other crap. Please welcome back Messrs. Jason and Jared Albrecht. What is up, gentlemen? How are you doing? We're good. Thanks for the the intro. Yep, you have 50% of the LBC, you have 100% of Action Film Face-Off, and other crap. So, yeah, yeah, we're on top of it. Uh, I'll just let Jason talk now. Which half yeah, is, this, no. is this? Is this team two cool guys or is that the Pat? No, <laughs> I, I can never tell. I don't know. I don't know if we're two cool guys or uh, <laughs> I think it's who's ever with Pat at that time is on team two cool guys. Yeah, no, I'm glad that uh, glad you invited us. You know, Ryan, really, you had you had two choices. <laughs> Option one, you could have invited me on the show. Option two. I was just going to come on. <laughs> You're just going to show up. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. All right. Uh, before we get right into the season opener, uh, I need to explain why I said this was such a critical season for Cheers. Fans and old viewers, as well as anyone who has listened to this podcast, will know that this season and the next one marked a seismic shift in the series centered around a major casting change. When Cheers first premiered in 1982, it ranked dead last in the weekly television ratings. It was in constant danger of cancellation for much of its first two seasons, only being spared the chopping block because critics loved the show, as did, according to legend, the wife of NBC's president. By the fifth season, however, which ran from September 25th, 1986 until May 7th, 1987, Cheers was consistently the third highest rated show on television. But the combined critical and commercial success was not enough to keep the star Shelley Long on board. Before the start of the season, Long told the producers she would be leaving the show at the end of season five to focus on a film career. At this point, Cheers had already endured one significant cast change when Woody Harrelson replaced Nick Calasanto, who passed away during season three. But could the show possibly survive without its leading lady? Well, the show went on for another six years after this, so I guess you know the answer. A few other casting tidbits for this season. Kelsey Grammer, who had played Dr. Fraser Crane in a recurring capacity for the past two years, was finally elevated to a series regular and appears in the opening credits now. We also get the return of B.B. Newworth as Dr. Lilith Sternen, who will have a significant role going forward. 
Also, we have the first on-screen appearance of Cliff's mother, Estelle Clavin, played by actress Frances Sternhagen, and the introduction of Carla's new boyfriend, Eddie Lebeck, played by Jay Thomas. Alrighty, guys, you ready to get into the first part of season five? I guess so. After listening to all that, I realized that I watched Night Court in preparation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I think it comes on right after. Okay, well, you so know, another show idea. The first episode with Roz, the new bailiff. All right. Marsha Warfield. Oh, that's, you did a lot of good research. You gave me a good perspective. 87 is coming into focus for me now. Good job. All right. Uh, cheers. Season five, episode one, The Proposal. This episode is written by Peter Casey and David Lee, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date, as I mentioned, was Thursday, September 25th, 1986, the day after my fifth birthday. Picking up directly where the fourth season cliffhanger left us, Sam calls someone on the phone and asks her to marry him. We immediately learn that it's not Councilwoman Jana Eldridge, who Sam dated at the end of the last season, but Diane, who is taken aback by his proposal. But she cannot accept under these abrupt circumstances. She tells Sam she expects a grand romantic gesture. The next day, Sam asks the gang for ideas for a truly memorable marriage proposal. This sets off the radar of Carla and Fraser, who can think of only one woman Sam might propose to, and they don't like it. That night, on a boat anchored offshore beneath the starry sky, Sam and Diane share a romantic dinner, and then he gets down on one knee and asks her to marry him. To which Diane says, no. She thinks his proposal is an impulsive decision brought on by his breakup with Janet Eldridge. A rejected Sam then offers Diane the chance to jump in the water before he throws her in. Sam goes back to Cheers and informs the gang that his proposal was rejected. He confides in Fraser that he's truly broken up and thinking about hurting Diane. Fraser advises Sam to take the boat out for a nice cruise and get away from his trouble. Later, Diane approaches Fraser, realizing her rejection of Sam's offer was a mistake. Fraser tells Diane where to find Sam, but unbeknownst to either of them, Sam stayed in Boston and lent the boat to an elderly Monsignor. Diane sneaks onto the boat in sexy lingerie, hoping to earn Sam's forgiveness, and instead shocks herself and the old cleric. Later still, Diane comes back to Cheers and accepts Sam's proposal, but Sam says the offer is no longer on the table. He doesn't want to marry her anymore. Diane refuses to acknowledge this rejection, saying Sam will change his mind, and she's going to waitress at Cheers again, also against Sam's wishes, until he admits that he still loves her. Alrighty, that was the first episode of the season, The Proposal. Uh, big picture, what did you guys think? Uh, Jason, what did what were your thoughts on this episode? You know, in full disclosure, I've watched through all of these Cheers episodes since I recorded with you a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, yeah your show kind of got me hooked on it. And I, I immediately remembered this one as soon as I started watching it. And this is one that was memorable to me because I think it finally marked that turning point where Sam makes the decision that he's just, he's just done. He's done with the, the drama. It was cute for a while. It got annoying. He finally mustered up the courage to make that proposal, whether it was a good idea or not, we can debate that. We, we, I'm certain we will, but 
you know, it, it just seems like Diane wants to keep playing these games. She keeps wanting to play games, and he's just done. Uh, like he says, uh, none of us like you. <laughs> I'm gonna, you can have the boat. I'm gonna take the rowboat, and I'm gonna row myself to shore. He's gonna swim to shore. He's just like, I'm just done. And that's a man who has just had enough. And uh, yeah, very memorable show, and, and I loved it. Jared, what'd you think? I liked when the judge did the magic tricks. All right, I'll let the nice short fit job. Um, much like Jason. Now, I haven't gone back and watched them like Jason. I, I haven't seen these uh, probably since the 80s, since they were on live. Um, I do watch the ones, I honestly do watch the ones that we talk about. <laughs> so watching this one was almost like seeing it for the first time, you know, very vague memories. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a strong season opener, you know, with that uh, with a heavy a heavy topic but they approached it with a wonderful lightness to where you laughed throughout and um yeah i just i i i really liked how they were able to do that 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 heaviness that that combination of so very typical of sam and so typical of diane you know sam underthinks things so like no man should really probably bring up his ex right before the proposal and then the overthink is the well is he just doing this because or is this because in the you know talk yourself out of it so right. it's very true to character and 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 somehow they pulled off what could have been quite tragic and made it quite funny so good episode mm-hmm. jason you kind of brought up the, the point about the relationship and like the, this new sort of like stage that they're in where sam says and it sounds like he believes that they are done whether that is true or not i mean will be part of where this season goes <laughs> but we're now in the fifth year of the the saga of sam and diane and like looking at the trajectory trajectory of their relationship season one it was will they or won't they you know they've got this instant sexual chemistry and tension they're flirting but they're so different will they get together and by the end they do and season two they are a couple but they are terrible together and they're bad for each other why are they together and they're constantly breaking up and getting back together and by the end of season two they have this horrible violent even breakup then season three diane is with another man she's with fraser throughout that season and sam is you know, at first he thinks he's okay, but then he's trying to get her back. And then by the end of that season four, they kind of, what I call, they, they kind of had reached this detente where they're just okay being friends and they talk about their, their former relationship, but they're kind of in this, the healthiest position they could possibly be in of just like acknowledging their feelings, but knowing, no, we, we, we shouldn't be together. Um, and then he starts dating somebody else by the end of season four. And that makes it, you know, just crystallizes like, can, can these two be with anybody else? And now the, this season is going to be, will they get married? You know, like the, the, the proposal is out there. She rejected it, but now she's coming back and saying, yes, you asked me, I'm saying yes. So you are going to marry me, even though he's saying, no, <laughs> I, I take it back. Tap, tap the brakes. He's like, it's not going to happen. So yeah, this will be the status going forward in this season, and sometimes it's cute and funny, and sometimes it's a little bit annoying. Um, given that this is Shelley Long's last season, I'm, I'm putting this out there at the beginning of this season now. I don't think she necessarily has the best material for a lot of this season, with notable exceptions. Um, but the way her character is portrayed and, and drawn out this season, I don't. Uh, uh, we'll get into that as it goes, but. 
Um, all right, looking through the the actual the, the notes for this episode, um, the teaser. Uh, we start off. They've actually recreated the end of the the fourth season. Um, and Jim Burroughs is actually like redoing the shots, but it's not the same. It's he's not recycling the same footage as the end of season four. They did actually reshoot it, and you can tell because the lighting is a little bit different. Most notably, Ted Danson's hair is different um, than it was at the end of season four. It was perfect because anybody who was paying attention would have known. Okay, who is he calling between the two women? It was it the guest Kate Mulgrew or the the co-star of the show the leading lady it had to be diane so the reveal had to have a punch and i think they pulled off masterfully by the way she looks when we see her she's, she's all gnawing on that chicken bone she's got a chicken leg in hand she's got the full the the, the the facial cream mask on her face her hair is up in a thing like this is the least romantic she could possibly be in for this occasion and she kind of goes through this whole thing of like all the feelings that she and you can tell midway through her monologue of how she's feeling about this proposal sam is regretting it (laughs) she's like what do you think he's like i don't know i'm not listening to you (laughs) he literally stopped listening (laughs) and she tells him she can't accept under these circumstances she you know he has to do something romantic and thoughtful and meaningful and that she but she coaches him because she knows him well enough she has to say keeping in mind i don't care for sports arenas theme parks or miniature golf Red flags all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're through at that point. Picking up the other subplot uh, that we find out when Norm walks in at the beginning of the episode, because uh, the the previous episode, there was this whole thing with Vera had to go out of town to deal with a sick relative, and Vera's sister, who was sort of an exhibitionist and constantly walking around naked, was staying with them, and there was this whole thing with Norm being uncomfortable and Cliff wanting to get invited for dinner so he could see her. Um, They don't mention the sister, but they do say that Vera is back in town, and Norm thinks it would be nice to have a nice, you know, a a nice dinner when she gets back. And Vera's like, oh, what are you going to have? And uh, response typical of Norm is like, whatever, she feels like whipping up after a five-hour bus trip. (laughs) <laughs> oh norm <laughs> what are you talking about norm that's you jared <laughs> <laughs> jared i would say it's been a while since you've been on the show like what are your thoughts on the character of woody i don't think we've talked about him since the last time you were on right right um about the time this aired was 87 so I 86, about, this one would have been 86 yeah okay i would have been i well, probably would have been about eight 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 years old then so I kind of grew up more with Woody. Mm-hmm. It was it was like a revelation to me when several years into it, you know, somebody was like, "Oh, you remember Coach?" and I was like, "No." <laughs> and I had to like go back and look at him. Man, I, I tell you, when I watched this one, what struck me the most is, I mean, this is a pretty banal comment, but damn, did he look young? <laughs> he just looked young. And as I'm watching, I'm just like, it's fun to watch him in this context because I'm watching it and I'm just thinking, man, your future is so big. You have mm. no idea where this is going to go. Um, yeah. You're going to be a household name. You're going to be in some giant properties. You know, you're going to, you're going to step foot into the freaking star Wars universe, man. So yeah, you know, um, it was Shelly long who left the starter movie. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've enjoyed all the movies I've seen with Shelley Long, but I I that's I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because I feel like we're, we may be shifting topics, but I do feel like that Cheers was her wheelhouse, whereas it was Woody's springboard. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Very good point. So. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, this is this is his um, his second year. He's firmly entrenched. I think he he just feels so comfortable. But he really did right off the bat when he when he stepped in at the beginning of the fourth season, considering he had hardly any experience. You know, maybe some theatrical experience beforehand. But it really was like the first time he was on television, and he looked so young and so fresh faced. Um, he, he looked wide-eyed like this kid from Indiana who came to the big city, you know, it was kind of perfect casting for the type of character they were looking for. Um, so you're right, but like, yeah, he just, he's at this point now, he's just, he's just one of the gang. He's Sam's younger brother. Uh, and he, he fits with one of the guys. So yeah. Uh, Jason, what did you think about Woody in this one? Yeah, I think at this point in time, he's really found his footing. He's become a staple part of the show. I am old enough. I remember the coach episodes and I remember Woody coming on. It seemed like at first I felt like they were just trying to get a younger version of coach, you know, somebody that's just kind of like, maybe not all there upstairs. I think at the first, that's how they wrote him. Yeah. He was just coach junior. But as I recall, like during the course of the show, Woody really becomes a little bit more, He's not as willing to be a punching bag. Mm-hmm. He becomes a little more assertive. And in fact, he becomes kind of the, the sex symbol of the bar. I remember there was an episode later on where, you know, even Carla's like, Sam, you're losing it. You know, <laughs> like Woody's getting more, uh, you know, people are asking more phone numbers for Woody than, than for you. And, mm-hmm. and so you can kind of see to Jared springboard point, you can kind of see the character as well as the actor just gaining confidence and um, becoming um, more assertive. And that, you know, that'll definitely play out in his career over the, over the long haul. So big Woody fan. I was a little tepid to start with him, but uh, loved him by the end. I'm going to, I'm going to hijack the show. We're going to do a quick round the room on what's our favorite Woody Harrelson come up movie. You can't pick anything huge has to be some smaller part. Or some lesser known movie. Let's say it has to be pre-1998. <laughs> and uh, what would your favorite Woody Harrelson movie be? While you guys are thinking about it, I have always really enjoyed his performance. He's not the star. I've always enjoyed his performance in Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox. He's, he's very funny in that. So I've let you mull on it a little bit. What do you what do you think? Uh, oh, okay, so pre-1998, I'm trying to think like that. The only ones I can remember, Natural Born Killers, but he's the star of that one, and that was very big. Uh, well, I, mean, I guess it, it doesn't really matter if it if it went big or not, but I mean, you've got like what white men can't jump, right? Money so okay, so I would I would I can easily say like my favorite, more like sort of esoteric, non sort of spectacle, big, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the first season of HBO's True Detective that he co-starred with Matthew McConaughey. That yeah. first season, and their 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 season together is just one story, like eight episodes, and then they're not in any of the other seasons or whatever. That first season, start to finish, is one of my favorite, like top five TV shows. Like top I don't five even TV know shows. of it. You got me fired up. I want to check it out. So HBO, so it's 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 dark noir, like, and I, I'll warn you upfront, it's very slowly, methodically paced in the beginning. Like you'll get to this end of the second episode and be like, is anything happening in the show? Like, <laughs> what am I watching? Like, like, and I, I think, I think the show really takes to heart this the way I've kind of heard police and detective work described sometimes is it is long stretches of intolerable boredom 
punctuated by moments of sheer terror and panic. <laughs> it's a, it's a, and very similar to a military. <laughs> and, and that's the show. It's like eight episodes with like three action scenes spread out across eight of them. Oh, and the, and the rest. Like, um, but yeah, Woody Harrelson, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey is amazing in it. Huh, um, awesome. So the, the two of them together, that, that would be my favorite Woody Harrelson thing that he's ever nice. done. Nice. That's Jason. great. That's great. Yeah. That's Jason. great. Fringe Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Kingpin in the story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yes, they got Munson in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well done. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I love it when uh, he's uh, he, he's telling when when he's like telling Sam that he's like he's like my I have an uncle named Wade who who was really good at putting women in a romantic way. He's like, what did he do? He's like, gave him money. It worked every time. <laughs> 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 And that's when Sam kind of lets him, he's like, can you keep the secret? He's like, obviously, no, but he cannot, but he kind of lets him know that he's going to propose. And Woody goes back to the bar and he's like, who do you think Sam is going to propose to? And Carla goes, what are you babbling about, Billy Bob, Joe Jim? <laughs> well, I like what he says. Can, can you keep a secret? And he's like, are you kidding? I've never told you that Carla leaves early on your day off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Cliffy is the one who actually comes up with the idea of the sailboat anchored offshore. He says it worked great for Sean and Madonna, which is nice to get a very timely and topical reference to Sean Penn and Madonna, their <laughs> whirlwind romance. <laughs> that was a time machine joke right there. That's yeah. yeah. How did yeah. that turn out? Yeah. Um, and what's the, when we actually cut to Sam and Diane on the boat and she's like, this was a great idea. Whose was it? Frazier? And he's like, Sam was like, no, it was Cliff. And she goes, all right, fine, don't tell me. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, then once he, they, they have this whole thing about Sam, like, thinking about a song, and he starts whistling the theme to Popeye the Sailor Man. And this always puts him in a mood. And, and she, of course, can't relate to that. She pretends she does, but she's talking about this Italian opera that she hears because of this French taxi driver sang it to her one time. And, and Sam is just, whatever. And the, the whistles are right here. It's like, you two... You have nothing in common. It's like, why are you doing this? The only thing you have is this burning chemistry that you can't keep your hands off of each other. But the the, the warning signs are right here. So he, he gets down on the, on the end. He asks her to marry him and she says no. And he has this look like, he's like, are you serious? Did I hear you right? He's like, this was your idea to get me out here to do this big thing. You could have said no last night. And I love this thing that Ted Danson does. Like once she says no, you, there's just like this icy call that comes over his face. And you see like that while he was this brilliant comedian on this series, you see this flash of like him when he did like more dramatic roles at the, around the same time, like he was body heat and creep show. Um, and he's just like, like this, this menace when he's like, well, you have two options. You can jump in the water or I can throw you in. Excellent. She thinks Excellent he's joking moment. too, which is which makes it even funnier. She's like, "Oh, come on, this isn't up for debate." Diane. <laughs> right. And then she like, then two. she clearly knows he's not because she opts to jump. Yeah, <laughs> like, she she starts talking. He st- he stands up and advances towards her, and she's like, "He's serious." <laughs> she's like, "I need to get away from him." Great. <laughs> she dives in, and she's instantly like, "Sam, throw me a line." He's like, "What?" And he starts eating the shrimp. Going, "What's a what's a woman like you doing in an ocean like this?" <laughs> Good stuff. Then she comes back in, and and oh, 
this was actually when when we get back here after the commercial break uh, my uh, my cliffy's little known fact about this episode uh this one won the emmy award that year for outstanding sound mixing for a comedy and i think it's because of when we get back to the boat like the the background the water noise and all the things and like the sound of like the dinghy but all of the crashing dishes and furniture <laughs> underneath <laughs> like below what you, deck what are you doing <laughs> like, dishes so getting back to the bar like the next one cliff has this great thing where i love cliff comes in and orders the suds du jour (laughs) 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 nice way of ordering a beer cliff suds du jour really thought he's gonna throw woody off with that (laughs) (laughs) and then he's asking he's like hey how did things go with vera when she got home last night norm says hey it got pretty hot in our bedroom because of course the air conditioning broke down in their room yeah, that's no joke, man. No one likes a non-air-conditioned room. <laughs> I, I feel the pain. No. I feel the pain. No, the air-conditioned room. Yeah. Air-conditioned rooms are great. Non-air-conditioned rooms, and <laughs> let's just pick a city, say Charlotte, in <laughs> say the summertime. Well, it sounds specific, Jason. <laughs> I'm just, you know, hypothetical here. You both have military backgrounds. I'm sure you spend the hot nights in, in, with no air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, but you shouldn't have to in Charlotte, I think, is what Jason said. <laughs> <laughs> Not when I was on vacation, I didn't. <laughs> You're supposed to have a civilization down there. Yeah. All right. So Sam comes in. He breaks the bad news that the proposal was rejected, to which Carla and Frazier do a dance of joy. They can't help themselves. And then... He pulls Frazier aside, and now this, this I, I mentioned, at this point, Frazier is now a series regular, and we've known him, we've loved him since he, he came aboard, and, you know, like, he, he's great, and Jason, we even talked about, like, one of his early appearances in the, um, the Snipe Hunter episode, like, that was where you really first got the sense that he can hold his own, and there's some, there's an, a level of depth about this character that up to that point we hadn't really seen, and since then like it's like yeah he kind of belongs in this bar for his own purposes but here he really earns it because i think fraser from this point on the rest of the episode is fraser's and i'm tipping my hat so it will be my mvp by the end of this one but <laughs> sam says he's like I, i'm really worried that diane is going to get hurt and fraser's like that's that's remarkable that you even care and he's like no he, i had this dream where i killed her and it felt really good and i i have to kind of put this out because culturally today we have a new kind of sensitivity about violence against women including especially when it's used for humor and i appreciate that but i do have to confess that for the rest of this series or like the the next seven seasons the recurring jokes about sam and fraser wanting to hurt diane and like kill her and everything are some of my favorite jokes in the series. <laughs> just lean like, into it. It's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just something because at this point it feels earned. Like she has done horrible emotional things to these men who, like from the beginning, they were romantic foils. They were they were rivals for each other. And yet they end up becoming almost brotherly throughout the series because they have this shared connection. It's almost like they've been to the same war together. And they're kind of veterans of the war against Diane. And they, kind of, <laughs> they have these same scars. And, it's kind of like, and so like anytime they, one of them talks about wanting to kill her or hurt her, it's like, yeah, I know where, you, I know where you've been, buddy. I, I've been there. 
Definitely. She even had the gall to ask him, you know, could you imagine? I was thinking the same thing. He's like, gosh, I'll try. <laughs> I think that line gets the biggest laugh from the studio audience, too. When she comes and she sees Frazier, she's like, can you imagine what he must be going through? It's like, I'll try. Like, um, oh, so well delivered. Kelsey on top of his game. Same as like, does this mean, am I going crazy that I want to hurt? He's like, no, it's perfectly natural. And he talks about, he's like, she broke my heart, too. And I can't tell you how many times I've thought about my hands around her neck and like the fingers tightening and the cartilage stepping. And you hear this, it's like, okay, this is his like tryout for, for Sideshow Bob when he voiced Sideshow Bob on The Simpsons. <laughs> this is Kelsey Grammer getting into his murderous phase. Like, you, you hear it. Um, and the way he snaps out of the ghost, and I'm a respected psychiatrist. <laughs> They come back to that later on when, when Diane is there after Sam has left and she's asking for the massage. And, he Sam. and you can see, you can hear the audience getting hip to it. Like they're watching. Like his hands are getting closer and closer. Like those fingers, those fingers are touching. Well, it's his eyes too. The door, yeah. She just keeps talking. She just keeps talking. And the more she talks, the more his eyes just like... <laughs> Goes from like a glaze sympathetic and compassionate. Uh, <laughs> it would be so easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, she's like, "Why should I fight these feelings?" He's like, "Why fight it? Why fight it?" <laughs> <laughs> and he has to like, kind of like pull himself away and almost like shake it off. But for the rest of the scene, while she's talking, he's like, "Got uh, he." He picks up like a, a cocktail napkin or something, and he's just twisting it and twisting it. <laughs> like nothing. And by the time she leaves, he's like, I should have killed her when I had the chance. <laughs> Cliffy has another one of those lines. It was like almost, it, it, it snuck up. It was almost like my, my highlight for the one. Um, Cliff says, like all women, if they're not turning down your proposal of marriage, they're accusing you of suspicious behavior in the lingerie changing room. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you that what sold that, that uh, it, it might be my favorite moment. We'll see. But what sold it to me was the guy to his right who's not even a regular. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, know, so I, was, I had that note too. Shout out to the extra sitting down. Oh, he sold right. it. Because <laughs> that guy, he's not like one of the regular tertiary bar- barflies. He's like a nobody, but he just kind of looks at him like, what? <laughs> Perfect WTF look he gave that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're uh, you're exposing yourself, Cliff. You're revealing too much. So Sam comes back. He says like his his goal now is just going to be to see, to date every woman in Boston that he can find. And he, he tells Fraser that he uh, he sent his old friend, this Monsignor, on the boat. And and Fraser realizes what happened that Diane's going there. And he's like, "What's what's wrong?" And Fraser's just like, "Oh, nothing. Never mind." And he just kind of chuckles to himself. Yeah, let's let this one ride itself out. <laughs> I think that was my um, favorite mo- moment. That's the that's the one that got me was when he was like, "Man, nothing." <laughs> the look on his face, he's just like, "Oh, he's so very self satisfied." Yeah. And then, yeah, we get like oh, we get like another commercial break, and then it comes back for the last couple of minutes. Diane is back. She accepts his proposal. He says he wants nothing to do with her. He tries to kick her out. She ignores him. She takes her job back, which she doesn't even offer. Um, she says it's just a matter of time. And again, this this preview of what a good chunk of the season is going to be like of her insisting that they're getting married with him, denying it, it 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 can be cute. It can be funny. It can also get tiring at times. And I'll point those out. I think they 
played off really well by giving Norm the button on this episode, but like the last line, where Sam is just like, after everything we've been through, do you guys really think we're going to get back together and we're going to get married? And <laughs> they're just met with silence until Norm goes, can I finish my drink before I answer? <laughs> Everybody knows it's a coin flip. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of that, Norm had three beers for this episode, uh, which takes him up to 380 for the series at this point. The beer count has gone up since last time I was on the show. Delivery's taking some damage. (laughs) I think that was about 200 beers ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe 300 beers ago. (laughs) Cheers had pretty good season openers. Like they knew that this was a, a good time for, like, this was important real estate for sitcom television. You're getting a new audience and everything, and they carved it out. And I think, yeah, they they, they really hit it out. There's a lot of, there's exciting new sets. There's a boat. There's a good, some good action in this one. Yeah, over, overall, Jason, what did you think about this episode in total? I think it was a great season opener, like you said. I, it's a good callback. You know, in these days of Netflix and everything, when you can binge watch whole series, mm-hmm. it's a good reminder that back in the day when we watched these, we'd see that final episode and then we'd have to wait all summer for uh-huh. <laughs> fall, fall shows to start up again so we can see what where it's going to pick up. So I think, you know, put myself in that perspective, that would have been very satisfying. Cheers is very much centered around the diane sam romance which could become tiresome but at this point it felt like they were moving into this new phase and then it takes this crazy turn which is going to set it up for the uh for that uh for season five so i think it accomplished everything that it it wanted to do it it resolved the the cliffhanger that they um, that they left from season four set up the relationship with Sam and Diane like you said it got them out of the bar uh, and into some different uh, sets so it, it gave it a little bit of space to breathe and um, overall I think yeah it was a it was an entertaining episode and I think if I was watching that uh, at its debut I would have left uh, satisfied. Jared what'd you think? Didn't watch it naturally fake this whole thing no same as jason. well done <laughs> same as jason yeah it's a good season opener and and i just can't say enough about sort of episodic tv as jason was talking about episodic tv where you had to wait all summer and then you had to wait week to week and then maybe there'd be a week where you, something was off because some you know the olympics were on or some bs you know you're just like i just want to watch my tears you know um, and I, I don't know. I long for those days. I feel like uh, they were better for society. I'm going to get deep on you for a second. I think it was better because we all had these broader things we connected to. Now the entertainment pool is so wide, it's hard to go. It takes something big like a Stranger Things for everyone to, to buzz around it. Right. You know, it, it's, 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 it's just so much available that we don't have a real shared entertainment experience as a, as a country, as a society anymore. And I I missed that. So that's well, that even was- the Stranger Things, too, to your point, it's like some people have binge watched it and watched the whole thing. So you have to say, uh, what episode are you up to? You, right. You know, and you, it, it, uh, and so it's like now, because a couple of the streaming services like Disney is starting to do that where they're dropping episodes every Wednesday. And I find, that now I'm having conversations with my son, like I used to do back in the day. Like, oh, did you see, uh, you know, did you see Book of Boba Fett? 
last right. week. Oh yeah, I did. Oh, what'd you think about it? And we, we, we talk about it. Where do you think it's going? What's going to happen next? And, you know, I yeah, didn't realize they, how much they, I missed that. And they, they kind of, they control the timeline. They control the flow of information. They control the discussion about it. And that way, they can monopolize and also then people know it's like okay i've i've got to watch this episode because if i'm on twitter at 5 30 in the morning eastern time it's spoiled for me right. <laughs> so I, I find myself still in <clears throat> in in many many ways <laughs> in 80s mode in that even when i do have like a stranger things drop my wife is in the modern era she's like let's just binge him and i'm like no let's watch one Mm. and at least wait till tomorrow i like to marinate on what i've seen i like to think about it i like to anticipate so yeah i know we got far afield of cheers but it's just such a reminder of of that unifying thing i mean freaking there's like three channels back then man so of course (laughs) when you got to school that's you were talking to your friends about it was all about v and gi joe and and those shared experiences fresh prints when you get to the 90s absolutely um, and Cheers is just a wonderful example of that. And getting back on topic, this episode is a wonderful example of that. Uh, a great, strong season opener. Definitely something you would talk about around the water cooler uh, the next day. And uh, yeah, again, like I said at the top of the episode, what a tip of the cap to the producers to take a, a tough spot. Like someone's getting their proposal turned down in their face after tons of effort and still make it funny. And, right. and to make things like I want to kill her <laughs> funny, yeah. you know? Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I did I, notice. Um, I'm just going to keep running the mouth. I did, <laughs> I did notice. It's like Pat's here. Somebody else on your show may have brought this up. I may be late to the party on this mm-hmm. one, Ryan. But I did notice in the credits it said edited by Andy Ackerman. Yes. And, and he went on to direct almost 100. I want to say it was 89 episodes of Seinfeld. Mm, oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, which is a show that prided itself on how do you kill someone funny? Right. That, that was like that's one of their things that they pride themselves on, and I like to think that this kind of seeped into that. I, I read somewhere that he actually directs some Cheers as well. Yes, Ackerman yep. will get a director's chair, but yeah, he he directed like a ton of Seinfeld, like basically the last several seasons. Yeah. And uh, I thought, oh, what a what a neat connection. So I'll shut cool. up now. Oh, that's cool. Well, but getting to your thoughts and in thinking about the again like the the popularity of the show and like the the sort of water cooler nature of everybody talking about it i do wonder maybe it shows uh, a commitment on the writers and the showrunners because they didn't i mean by the time they get to this point they have a much bigger audience than they would have had back during season two and they could have, I mean, this season, they could have gotten engaged this season and we could have had a wedding this season. And this whole season could have been Sam and Diane are married and they're back together, but we saw them together. Like that was their arc for season two and they were together, but they were constantly fighting. And if they got married at the beginning of this one, would it have been the same arc just now they're married or something like that, but they're still fighting. They're still threatening divorce all the time. Like, I, I think they they had to do something to keep them. They had to delay that 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 wedding and like hold yeah. that off, off as long as possible. Yeah, they're um, better when they're off balance, and that this is right. a good way to keep it so. And they're because so much of season three was Diane is dating somebody else, and then and Sam might still have the hots for, and they, they kind of flipped it so that now Diane is the pursuer 
for this season. She's the one who wants Sam. And I just don't know if that feels as natural a fit um, because for so long she has been the intellectual and also emotional superior um, that to put her as like the love struck almost obsessive at times i'll going say after the him. intellectual superior i don't know so much about the emotional superior they both have are, yeah <laughs> it's valid yeah uh, yeah i'm sure i i'm sure i i yeah i, I should probably i would i would reset that anyway we will see more of where this comes uh in future episodes um for now though um i already tipped it my employee of the week for this one was fraser i just thought the, the for every line he had was just great and then like once one especially in the second half like the the jokes about hurting diane and the threatening her and like almost choking her which shouldn't have been funny but it just really really was and he was amazing so what did you guys think J- jared who was your uh employee of the week i i like yours uh <laughs> because again you can see the dna how do you kill someone funny and they right. did it they were able to pull it off uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with no name guy at the bar with the wtf <laughs> look because the joke was already funny it, it was it was just like it was like someone shot the joke up for the three-pointer and he was the guy who just just tipped it in you know to make sure <laughs> yeah. that ball went through the hoop. so yeah no name guy at the bar that look was perfect and it sold that moment so well credit to that extra uh jason Oh, respect for Jared's pick. Uh, I'm going to go with you, though. I, I think Frazier definitely was the had the had the moments in the show. And, mm-hmm. you know, I tipped it off earlier that my favorite moment is when he knows that what <laughs> Diane had planned. He knows what she's walking into and he just stays silent. And that smirk comes across his face. <laughs> he just like oh man that's just perfect yeah i had i had a few good ones uh, one of my runners up was norm saying the air conditioner broke down and that's why there was a hot time in their bedroom um but yeah my uh my, my home run for the episode was like fraser's whole monologue about imagining his hands around her neck and the, the cartilage snapping and then it kind of like blows off of him and he's like and i am a respected psychiatrist <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like if anybody is crazy like <laughs> Well, knowing knowing the format of your show, I like benchmark jokes. Mm-hmm. And my front runner for a long time was actually Shelly Long's um jump into the jumping off the boat. She <laughs> yeah. jumped off the boat funny. Yeah. Like it was total acceptance. Like, okay, I'm at, yep. I, 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 I get it. I gotta go. And somehow jumped off funny. And I gotta give credit for that physical comedy. Safer with the sharks, maybe, than with Sam. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you as always for being on the show. Where can our listeners find you guys if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere? You can find my brother and myself and our co-hosts, uh, Pat and Delvin, on the Longbox Crusade Network, where you can check out, man, all of our shows, Longbox Crusade, Long Crusader Chronicles, Action Film Face-Off, Transformers Chronicles, G.I. Joe Show, you name it, we've got it. Come check it out at Longbox Crusade dot com or at longbox crusade on social media or just you know point your podcatcher to longbox crusade and come join the shenanigans we are we are sort of a wonder twin podcast i like to think with the fire and water guys we kind of cross over uh, a lot and um now i'm depressed why are you depressed why are you so sad i i don't like spending time with shag he doesn't listen to the show does he i don't think uh, so. i i wouldn't if i was him okay <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I kid. I enjoy all those guys. In fact, we got Ciscoid coming up on one of our shows soon. Uh, Ryan's been with us several times. It's it's a good good time. So if you like the vibe here, you might enjoy Long Box. Appreciate they're a good hang. Jason, anything to add, or are you just nah? I just ride coattails with him, so <laughs> we're good. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you again for being my guest on this episode. And thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack, who sponsor the show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. I'm kind of worried that Diane may get hurt. My God, Sam, that's very noble of you. No, I, I mean that I, I had a dream last night that I killed her. <laughs> and, and, and it felt really good. <laughs>